Welcome back, everyone. And uh, today I have a very special guest. And uh, I don't know what else to say about this person. One of my favorite people, good people. I'm still waiting for an opportunity for me to get over to that side of the, the country and see this person, you know, in person. That's a really weird phrase. But anyways, my name's Wayne. And today I have on the mics with me... Bill Benham from Wizards of the Coast and the D&D Adventures League. Wizards of the Coast? Wizards of the Coast! I feel like we should answer, we should ignore that fact and let everybody hang on. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. All right. Well, before I can uh, try to apply Bill with some alcohol and get him to spill all the secrets that he's been holding out on us, Bill, why don't you introduce yourself to all the audience and listeners out there? All right. Absolutely. Wayne, thank you very much. So my name is Bill Benham. And uh, for the last few years, since like 2014, I've been the uh, resource administrator for the D&D Adventures League. And uh, as of... Last month, the 17th of last month, I started working as an associate games producer at Wizards of the Coast after spending the better part of my adult life in the military and then kind of working in the healthcare sector. I finally get to live my dream over there at Wizards, uh, spending the day working on games and stuff, which is just fantastic. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> um, when, when I had Greg on the show, Greg was like, yeah, you could make dollars. <laughs> sort of <laughs> in the game industry, but you get to work with the big boys now. So we are going to get to that, listeners, uh, or I'm pretending to, to get to that and just leave you guys hanging. No, I'm, not, I'm just joking. We're not going to leave you hanging on that. But when I was uh, when I was last talking with Bill on, on the last episode, you know, we talked more about Adventures League, and we'll talk a little bit about that today. But one of the things that Bill, um, two things that Bill said were extremely important to me that I had to follow up with Bill. Number one, we were talking about riffs. And we will talk about riffs today because I get to, we get to talk whatever we want. And number two, if you listen to the end of our, our interview with, with Bill, Bill was talking about how for years, and, and I've told the Eberron community this over and over again, for years, Bill was bugging Mike Burles about, hey, hey, Mike, when's Eberron coming? Hey, Mike, when's Eberron coming? And we were going to talk about that. So as much as I love Keith, Keith's a good, Keith's a good friend, but we are going to talk about how... Bill is the savior of Eberron. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, that is funny. That was a that was a massive overstatement that makes me feel so much better as a person. Um, that's that's great. No, I I was when I found out that Eberron was gonna like be reintroduced and that we were gonna uh, even kind of work in some organized play. I was I was super happy. Because uh, it was like Eberron was part of like my kind of re immersion into gaming, which ties back to the Rifts conversation. But yeah, I had like because of my military time and a bunch of other stuff, uh, I had missed out on uh, most of second edition. And I jumped back in uh, when I ran into my best friend since 1995, Mr. Travis Woodall, who some <laughs> of you might know, who said, hey, man, you want to come to this home game? So I did a home game, and then it was, hey, man, there's this organized play thing up in Tacoma. You want to go there? And By the way, he's doing Travis's voice exactly. It's, uh, it is the worst. That is the worst <laughs> Travis Woodall. <laughs> but he's the best Travis Woodall, so take comfort <laughs> in that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, really, uh, I'm really interested in seeing the, the feedback that's uh, coming back, and I think – on Wayfinder's Guide, and I have the opportunity now, Wizards, to work with uh, Keith and uh, and Rudy with the uh, Rudy Rutenberg with the the further kind of development of Eberron, and it's uh, yeah, I, I literally could not ask for more than that. So <laughs> we're gonna get into that. So let's start off a little bit about gaming with Bill. So yeah. Bill, we're sitting down at a table with you. We're setting a new brand new campaign. We're gonna do. Eberron and non-Eberron, because, you know, those are two important things. So yes. we're sitting down with you, and and Bill, we're going around, you know, you're going to be the, D, uh, we're going to be the DM, and we're going to ask, okay, Bill, what are you playing? What character are you playing? Huh. Well, I will tell you the character that uh, I'm going to play at uh, doing an Extra Life game on November 3rd at Wizards, being DM'd by Chris Lindsay, so I don't think the character I'm making is going to make it out of the actual Extra Life <laughs> game, so it's a little ironic, but... He doesn't have a name yet. I'm still working on that. But he's a goblin. Okay. Um, mm. uh, he's a rogue. And uh, he uh, he's kind of he spent the better part of his life um, kind of 
skulking is a bad term. It's a pejorative term, but um, stealthizing himself around the streets of Waterdeep as, as, a, as an urchin, and then uh, later as uh, someone who does a bit of pickpocketing and window work, and uh, he ends up getting uh, kind of a smart aleck. He ends up getting roped into whatever fantabulous adventure that uh, <laughs> that Chris. Chris Lindsay's. I tried to peek at him the other day in his cubicle, and he uh, <laughs> was very angry. Started throwing things, yelling, lots of yelling. Okay, he didn't do any yelling, but it was. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I think it's me, uh, Travis Woodall, a good friend of ours, a gentleman named uh, Will Straley, who lives uh, who lives down in Tacoma, and then who else? Satine will be there, mm-hmm. and Satine Phoenix, who's an absolutely wonderful person, and. God bless America. I can't remember who the last person is at that game, <laughs> but we'll have to we'll have to look at the the Wizards stream. I think they have it listed somewhere. Yeah, there. yeah, I'm they've got sure. uh, they've got a they've got that listed out there. But uh, that's going to be an absolute hoot, and plus it's for a great cause. So I'm really really happy about that. So you guys realize that if you see that in Sixth Edition D and D that the word stealthorize is there. Stealthorize is a word. That's it's, it's a word now. That's me, baby. Um, yeah. I I would we'll, we'll also hide with that. <laughs> I'm going to shamelessly plug uh, Extra Life Two. Doesn't necessarily have oh, to yeah. be me, but the whole D and D team. We're actually number two in Extra Life D and D is behind Stupid Salesforce, <laughs> but. Yes, don't you don't have to donate to me, but uh, if there's you know could be like uh, Mike Merles has a good page, Chris Lindsay, Emmy Tanji, all these awesome people from uh, yeah. from Wizards, yeah, donate away. Yeah, I mean, I think the listeners know that uh, we are very, very, very much extra life supporters. Um, support your local children's hospital, even if you don't have children, could be your friends or whatnot. I we've, we've had this conversation before on the mics, and and me personally, I do have a child now. She. Um, <laughs> Luckily, we don't we don't need any of those services, but I cannot imagine being in the hospital and having to look at my child through, you know, protective glass or something like that. Like mm-hmm. that's that's something. So that you know, please, please, uh, we try to do that every year. Um, but yes, please go raise money, raise twenty dollars, raise ten dollars. It it will help absolutely. I'm glad you said that. If I'm going to be a terrible guest and jump it real one of the reasons why i get fired up about extra life i have some good friends who live down in uh, olympia washington who when their daughter was i think she was about four months old they took her to the doctor because it she had some flu-like symptoms and when they left the doctor's office they found out she had malignant brain tumor that occupied like a quarter of her cerebral space like it was the prognosis was absolutely terrible the, the whole thing was really traumatic for them but they ended up going to uh, Seattle Children's Hospital and I think Brigham and Women's back in Massachusetts for all kinds of different therapies, which totaled in the like the millions, like one point some mm-hmm. million dollars. It was fantastically expensive, mm-hmm. and it was you know their their insurance couldn't cover all that, but Seattle Children's they helped to write down some of the costs of that through programs like Extra Life, and their daughter mm-hmm. is now I think Zoe is nine. And wow. she wasn't expected to live to be one. So, you know, they right. get to have their daughter and she gets to grow up and, you know, do everything because of Seattle Children's Hospital and because of people who donate to Extra Life. It is a fantastic thing to support. I remember I remember when I first when I first heard about gamers helping, you know, using that gamership to do something. I think that was with with uh, Penny Arcade's Child's Play. I think that's. Yep. I think child's play. Yep. And I remember that. I was just like, this is a, such a marvelous idea. And then uh, I don't think I ever got, I, I think for two years I didn't get involved. And then I found out about Extra Life. I found out about Victoria's story. So she's the inspiration behind Extra Life. And this is just wonderful story about her. And it, it was just like, this is such a natural extension of just being part of a community, which, which I really feel like if you're, if you're playing D and D, I know someone. Some people are like, oh, you know, we just play D&D ourselves. But if you're going to get out and, and be part of that community, this is such an excellent way to do that. Because you just ask mm-hmm. some people, hey, help us raise some money for a local hospital because the money goes to a local hospital. Get your your tax receipt for those who, who do donations. Um, we get prizes. I mean, if you, you do that, you get some prizes, help out. But basically, people are telling you, here, I'm going to pay you to pay, play games for so many hours for 24 hours. I mean, I have no problems doing that. And if it does help one person, you know, is it the, I don't know, is it the most 
efficient platform? I don't know, but it brings a lot of awareness. I think it's, I think it's absolutely great. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's your extra life game, but let, let's talk about home game. Bill, who do you play games with? Well, the most frequent game that I have is actually Chris Lindsay is the dungeon master. He lives uh, <laughs> not too far from where I do. And every other Friday, I do a game with him. In that game, I play a dragon soul sorcerer and then human. Uh, and it's Chris Lindsay's. It's uh, basically for that game, he took Forgotten Realms and mixed in a dash of Mad Max and made like mm-hmm. a he like advanced the timeline way ahead and made like the realm shaking event and so we're <laughs> living in like post apocalyptic realms it's, it's actually it's it's a little gritty but it's uh it's a lot of fun and then every sunday i have a um game on fantasy grounds with let's see travis and dm frank faulus and oh, then, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep, big big Franck. And then uh, there's uh, the actually uh, a couple friends of ours from uh, of Travis and I from uh, from Olympia in there, and gentlemen from uh, Minnesota, and a gentleman from New Zealand, and then oh, uh, another dude from uh, from Illinois. So it's a, it's a fun group, and we actually just oh that's the game that's the game you play with Matt uh, Roderick, right? Yeah, that's that's Matt. Oh, yeah, actually, okay. yeah. I didn't know if he'd be cool with me dropping his name on here. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> well, you're outed now, Matthew. So he <laughs> he, uh, he sometimes his schedule uh, you know conflicts with the game, but he's like our featuring special guest, and I play a half elf rogue in that one. That's we're doing Dragon Heist. So nice, nice. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's good stuff. <laughs> awesome. So. Bill, let's move on to let's let's move on to the the big R in the room. Let's let's talk about riffs here. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a you know a PEG is is you know still has a license for riffs, so they're still doing stuff. They're they're gonna be putting out some new books recently. I, I haven't followed too closely with that, but you know, tell us a little bit about your your riffs experience and and what's your what's your favorite book in riffs. Because there's like a billion of them. There is approximately one billion Riffs books. So my experience with Riffs started when the setting was first released in the early 90s. And I was getting ready to, uh, when I was getting ready to graduate uh, high school. And then when I had like left and joined the military, I kind of kept up with it. So I almost never got a chance to play because I could never find people's like, like, if you say, oh, I'd like to play D&D, especially nowadays, you'll find people like, oh, yeah, D&D, let's totally do that. But, you know, back in the early 90s, like, I'd like <laughs> to play refs. They, whoa, what? So between that and the fact that riffs helped me discover that I prefer less of a simulationist and, and more of a kind of loose story mm-hmm. kind of RPG, um, because <laughs> I find, like, anytime I have to consult a table, like oh good at a table like unless it's the uh for like routine <laughs> things like if it's like for the if you're like a chaos sorcerer and you're going to trigger that like oh mm-hmm. i will absolutely roll on a table if you're um cuz it's it's fun it adds something to the game and it's not happening all the time or if you're rolling on a table cuz oh i get a trinket when i roll up my character and rob schwalb's shadow of the demon lord has the mm-hmm. best the best tables for like starting kind of little role play background information there. I will not spoil it. You should absolutely have the book. Shout out to Demon Lord, Schwab Entertainment. But it was uh, what I got from Riffs was buying the, I would buy the books. And I would just read them. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, and then, <laughs> and at the time, because I didn't understand the mechanics, uh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize that I was like, uh, it, now Bill now is like, Oh man, Riffs is amazingly fun, like the original Riffs, amazingly fun without a hint, a, a scintilla of balance amongst the classes. <laughs> my favorite, Travis and I talk about it, my favorite thing is just like, what are you playing? Oh, I'm playing a Glitter Boy. Ooh, a Glitter Boy? What's that? Oh, this is a 20-foot tall robot with a uh, Gauss cannon on the shoulder that can level a building that has to shoot laser pylons into the ground so you don't knock yourself on the back like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. You're like, oh, wow. Oh, shit. That's cool. 
what are you what are you playing oh i'm a, i'm a i'm a cyber knight uh i could channel psychic energy into a blade that can cut through anything uh i'm i have like my own bio organic armor and i am kind of like a like a jedi knight uh only <laughs> more like like a, a Jedi Knight Robocop, like had a baby. So, Ooh, that's a cyber Knight. And then, Oh, wh- what are you playing? I'm a rogue scholar. I have a laser pistol and I have a notebook and I know how to read. And, and that's, and that's it. There you go. You have the, there's your party. Like the, the, the dude. And like, I have armor that might stop a laser next to the dudes. Like I'm going to knock that superstructure down. So it's <laughs> you shoot this dragon in the face. So I, at the time, I that didn't mean anything. You're like, oh, whatever, cool. And then as I grew to understand RPGs more, I was like, oh, man, that's that's, that's probably not fun for the guy playing the Rogue Scholar. <laughs> no, so, no. I, I mean, the Rogue Scholar had the most fun. It was the Blitter Boy that was just like, yeah, I'm, you yeah. know, what, what am I supposed to be doing, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, if there is a situation, I think I will blow it up. So that's the that's that's but the 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 PG version is fantastic. I really love what they've done with it to kind of bring oh, yeah. uh, the rules are much easier to work with. You can play a rogue scholar if you want to and not feel like, you know, set dressing where you're just like <laughs> like shucking in, you know, go, ah, in the background doing whatever. I don't I don't know. It's uh I'm just I'm I'm happy that they've they've managed to kind of distill it down into what's into what's fun about that. No, and and it's it's a savage it's Savage Worlds you know mechanics. So it's it's pretty it's relatively flat, mm-hmm. and even with the 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 Gonzo of of riffs, you can still play <laughs> everything. I mean, you have a really high strength, you could punch through walls, but the other guy can still shoot you in the head and maybe exactly. still affect you, right? You know, I haven't played a lot of Savage Worlds. I I would want to. Um, I actually went to QCC and I was hoping to get into Savage Worlds. Uh, game with a with a friend of mine, but someone served him a mushroom in his omelet, and he basically fell unconscious for eight hours. So it was not. It was well, that not was not conducive to a fun gaming day for your friend. No, also, not cool, kids. If you're listening to the podcast today, please don't feed strange mushrooms to your friends and their omelets without their knowledge. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. Doc Palindrome is really, really allergic to it. So we were really actually really worried because I was like, hey, have you guys seen have you seen him around? They're like, no, I haven't seen him since breakfast. And we're just like, has anybody seen him? They're like, we haven't seen him for like four or six hours now. We're like, uh oh, <laughs> what's wrong? We're so like, I misunderstood what you meant by fed him a mushroom. <laughs> oh, uh, a real mushroom. <laughs> I so you made it. I should have immediately gone to. Uh, he was allergic to mushrooms. Instead, I thought somebody fed him like a psychoactive mushroom, and then someone had to take him back to his room where he like, you know, just kind of slept it off or whatever. So my bad, kids. My advice still stands. Please don't put mushrooms in people's uh, omelets unless they know about them. The more you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, we talked about we talked about riffs a little bit last time we were on the mics, and it, it really was one of those games that was nobody knows anything about game balance apparently back then. Yep, but very very formative in in terms of awesome art. Yes, awesome story. It, it was. It really just tore at those heartstrings. Were just like there here here's such a it, it's supernatural evil, right? There's natural evil of the coalition, and there's the supernatural evil, and you're just like this world is. You know this this girl's gone insane, uh-huh. and then you throw in something like wormwood in there, and you're just like, whoa! Well, what, what am I doing with this? You know, my God, it dimensions. just got worse. <laughs> yeah, you throw and then you threw rune we- weapons in, and everybody's like, well, I got to have one of those, right? Yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah. That actually, you you bring up an excellent point in that I, I think like the this savage rifts by choosing to focus on like the coalition states and just kind of staking out like one part of North America. I think that's like that was to me always the strongest kind of storyline that Rifts had, but it was nice that it basically took a kitchen sink design to fantasy. So like literally anything you wanted to do, man, you're gonna you are gonna find a place in Rifts where that thing can happen. Yeah, and you could pull, f- and they were really like you can pull from any of our books because anything comes in, you just have to eventually fix it for the NPC <laughs> damage. Right? Yeah, you, yeah, you can bring anything in that will get turned into a puddle um, when it meets 
uh, anything that's actually native to yeah, the, the set. Yeah, the guy with the laser gun, right? <laughs> yes. But but I like what they – I still, I thought that was pretty neat. I was like, oh, let's just make it one big – you know, everybody can do everything. Hooray. But, yeah. <laughs> Well, from those formative years of playing riffs and not really playing riffs, I mean, just, you know, reading riffs books, mm-hmm. you are now working for Wizard of the Coast. So there's, there's a couple years in between there. So, Bill, why don't you bring us up to date on, on, on that? Well, that's yeah, there is a there's a there's a pretty significant time gap in there. So in between uh, young Bill in high school, first reading riffs to. Bill working uh, down in Renton at Wizards of the Coast. So when I was 18, I graduated high school, like, uh, because I, I grew up, I lived mostly in rural Colorado, Southern Colorado when I was growing up. And uh, so I graduated in May because we had the weirdest school year, I thought. So graduated in May and then in mid-July, shipped out to basic training at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, which if you've never been there, uh, don't. Like, there's really not anything redeeming. Uh, I went there in July, so it was like being in Satan's smelly butthole. Like, it was the most, like, it just it smelled bad. It was humid all the time. It was terrible. So uh, I did basic training there. I did my advanced training as a combat medic, uh, which, by the way, the Army sold me a bill of goods on. When you go to the enlistment center, or at least when I did, they were like, oh, yeah, medical specialist. It's like, ooh, that sounds cool. I think I'll sign up for that. And then when you get to Fort Sam Houston, like medical specialist, you got told wrong, son. You're a combat medic. I was like, combat? Let's not get, uh, let's not get hasty here, fellas. And all this combat, because this is 1993. We mm-hmm. were not engaged in a perpetual war at that point. So uh, after my advanced training, I went to uh, the 2nd Infantry Division in South Korea. Mm-hmm. So I was 18 years old in Dongducheon, South Korea. And... Uh, I drank entirely too much, uh, but I, I man, it was either I was either doing army stuff or thoroughly intoxicated. So kids, if you're listening, don't don't do that. It's not the it's not the best life decision, but I stand by it. And then I thought I was just going to get out and go to college, but I spent 20 years uh, in the army. I traveled all over the world. I lived in Germany for three years. I went to Kosovo. I went to Cuba. I did I went to Kuwait and Iraq in 2003. I went back to Iraq in 2009, back mm-hmm. to Korea in 2010. Uh, and then I retired in 2013 uh, and moved up to Seattle to go to graduate school at the University of Washington. I did a graduate degree in uh, healthcare administration and went to work for the Department of Veterans Affairs. Yep, right, did right. that for a couple of years. The amount of bureaucracy there was pretty staggering. So I went to work for a, uh, I was the clinical director for a, uh, a nonprofit here in Seattle. Uh, we did uh, opiate addiction recovery uh, with uh, with methadone and Suboxone. Did that for a couple years, and like it it came to be quite a bit much. So I kind of took a step back and I did a little bit of freelancing work and took a little bit of time off. And in that time span, um, so I mean, let's let's kind of jump into that, Bill. I mean. Wizards of the Coast. I mean, that seems like an interesting coincidence. You like playing D and D. Wizards of the Coast creates D and D. It it's, seems like it's it's just very very coincidental. I mean, it's a it's a peanut butter and chocolate kind of thing. No, it. Um, yeah. I see it as like another step in what's been like, man. At this point, like a man, like a fifteen, like a fifteen year journey. So, like, I started playing. I played D&D when I was eight, and then, like I said before, I, I kind of, life and everything, I stopped playing for a little while, but I started playing again in 2004, mm-hmm. and I, you know, kind of jumped back in with third edition, and it was around 2005 that I became, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Living Greyhawk, but I became a triad yeah, member yeah. for the Duchy of Ernst, and that's what got me started in, like, you know, working with adventures and plot lines and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I did that until Living Greyhawk ended, and then I spent about a year with Living Forgotten Realms with the East Rift region as the uh, the writing administrator. So, you know, more, hey, what should the storyline be for this area? And, you know, coming up with adventures and so forth. Did that for a while, and then when that, because that, of work and 
I was still in the army at the time, kind of stepped away from that for a while, but still stayed involved with stayed involved with organized play and kind of kept up with D and D. And I ended up, you know, by going to like winter fantasy and, um, that was the main show I actually went to winter fantasy and PAX were the two shows I used to go to a lot. I ended up meeting Chris Tulock, uh, Chris Lindsay and a bunch of other people in the organized play scene. And uh, when the job opportunity came open for, you know, administrator for Adventures League. I applied to that, mm-hmm. and was fortunately selected, and that gave me the opportunity to do yet still even more. There's adventure <laughs> writing or editing, all you know, the the resource management side of things. That put me in proximity with the you know with the D and D team at a you know at more shows and at the summits that we would have with them. And right, right. So when the producer position came open, um. I was told, hey, there's this position that's coming open that you might be good for. You should you should apply. So I applied, and now I work at Wizards of the Coast. It still feels a little weird. <laughs> I, I can definitely see that. I mean, you know, it's 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 been a journey, obviously, for you. Oh yeah, it's it's. I mean, actually, uh, Nathan Stewart, who's the kind of the the franchise director for D and D, if you will. Had said like on my first day, he was like, you know, I know you've been working, like you've been working around us, you've been working with us. It's nice to have you, like, you know, in the building, doing yeah. stuff. So yeah. yeah, it's and it's yeah. I mean, he he said that he said that until you start sealing his pens, and then you know, yes, everything out the window from that point. Everything <laughs> indeed out the window because I am a pen thief. But yeah, being <laughs> able to uh, to work with like you know, watch the creative process with uh, Chris Perkins, mm-hmm. Jeremy Crawford, and Mike Merles is. It's really, really fantastic. And the amount of, of content that the D&D team is able to come up with and execute with as small as the team is, is just nothing short of amazing. I mean, you're talking about less than 25 people that create yeah. D&D. And creating a book, much more difficult than I originally <laughs> thought it was. <laughs> I think I've you know, done a lot of adventures, and that's... That's like if you take a book and scale it down by a thousandth, you've got mm-hmm. you know an adventure. But man, it's a, it is quite an endeavor. But it's totally worth it when you see people react, like when they tell you about, oh man, yeah. you know, I I got, you know, Dragon Heist or what have you, and you know, we oh, had yeah. a lot of fun playing that, or like you know, going to a show and just seeing people enjoy themselves makes it all worth it. So right now, Bill's going to violate his NDA and tell me a bunch of things, um, but we're going to have to mute it for the audience right now. But uh, I mean, like that's... Tarantino in uh, what's that? Kill Bill. Yeah. Well, then we're going <laughs> to beep. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely! That's awesome. That's awesome. As an associate producer, one of the things I do is manage the production schedule, and um, yeah, right now I'm keyed into what we're going to be doing through 2021. That's like the fur. Obviously, the further out you go, the more it you know can flux. But you know the amount of time it takes to create a book is not. It, it is a lengthy process. So mm-hmm. we are already working on things that are going to be coming out in uh, in 2020. So it's uh yeah, and it's stuff that I I really hope people enjoy. Like I think they're going to. There's going to be a couple things i think you in particular are gonna be very happy about but i can't tell you what those are <laughs> no of course so not. we'll wait till we're off the mics yes we'll like have I, to. I know that we i know we get as as play testers we get stuff maybe nine ten months in advance like um tomb of annihilation we got we got the play test nine ten months in advance and we're like whoa this is so cool mm-hmm. and then but you guys know that like year two years ahead of what we're doing like we're already testing you know we're, we're given like a little time to test that which is Oh my gosh! What else is, what else is going to happen here? Like, what what else is going to go on? And we're just we're really excited about that stuff. And I, I can't imagine, you know, you're basically you know new to the business position, and you're like, I'm sure you're jumping in your chair, going, I get to know what's happening in in like 15 years for for D and D like 14th edition. And no, that's not a prediction, anybody. I'm just making jokes here, obviously. Actually, <laughs> someone's going to take me seriously. <laughs> I can tell you, I can say mm-hmm. with the with a a clear heart that. Like sixth edition is not talked about in the office. <laughs> like there's, there is a uh, f- fifth edition has 
has very long legs. Mm-hmm. There's like it's it is a it's I would have to say it's probably my favorite edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, so absolutely, being able to work on it has just been it's like I said it's it's been something that uh, that I I never actually thought I would be able to do, but I'm very happy now that I am able to. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, from the army to Wizards of the Coast, I mean. If you if you can make that transition, uh, I think a lot of other people out there would uh, love to do the exact same thing. Yeah, it's like when you uh, the the best advice I have for folks is when you see uh, you know if you have it set up to receive like uh, job opening notifications from Wizards of the Coast, or you you see the team is usually for positions like narrative designer or game designer editor, those will go up on the Twitter feed. If you see those, like uh, the best advice I can give you is apply. You'd be like, oh, I'm not good enough. Don't. No, that's that's <laughs> self defeating. Uh, yes. So don't do that. And you know what? If you're if you apply and you're not selected, then it's you know continue to refine, you know, doing what you love. Like the the best advice I've heard from Mike and from Jeremy and Chris, um, all three is you know don't if 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 you want to write an adventure, you want to create a supplement, or there's there's something that you want to create and put on like the DMs Guild or some other way that you want to self publish it. Do it. Don't like don't mm-hmm. put it off. Get get down in there and and do it because that's a it's going to build your portfolio and it's going to broaden the depth of your experience and your appreciation for what you do and it's only a positive just you know be open about receiving <laughs> about receiving feedback and you know mm-hmm. one of the things that scares me the most about writing adventures is that i'm going to write this thing i'm going to put it out there and then people are going to poop all over it be like, oh this is, this is the worst <laughs> thing ever oh, no stars and it's like kind of like pooping on a part of you so just be be prepared for that sometimes as well so yeah i mean don't absolutely don't worry about it because the minimum someone can give you is one star in DMs Guild. You can't yep. get no stars. <laughs> that is correct. And you know what? If if you get feedback that is negative but not constructive, mm-hmm. I tend to not pay very much attention to that. But I'm yeah. always open for constructive feedback. Like, hey, if yeah. you'd tune this encounter this way or maybe phrase this differently or layout thing or whatever it is, it's you know, don't take that kind of stuff as a knock. Take it as a mm-hmm. you know, as a learning experience. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, Bill, you're an associate game producer. What do you do at, at Wizards then? I work principally with a gentleman I mentioned, Dan Tovar, and mm-hmm. we work basically. There are, you know what? This is the best way to explain. Today, I got, I got to. We have the best meetings, but today I had the coolest meeting ever, which was where I sat down with Chris Perkins for an hour in a room called the Uber dimensional zone, because all the meeting rooms at wizards have names like Wayne Manor or elf song tavern or like whatever. So uh, we were in the Uber dimensional zone and we went through, like we did a deep dive on the process to produce a book, mm-hmm. like all the things that go into making a book. And that is the stuff that primarily I'm involved in. So it's making sure that, lines of communication are clear that people know what expectations are that you're coordinating your artists and with the art director and the freelancers with the lead developer and everybody with the managing editor and that timelines are hit and they can get all the files together and you can get them to the printer and you can do all these things so when we say hey this book is going to ship on this day it ships and shows up and you read it and go man that's awesome i want to play an x when i go through this mm-hmm. so that's long story short that's uh that's what I do. I'm going to ask this other question afterwards, but what was it that, like, I, I guess it's for most of us gamers, you know, lifelong dream, we want to be a game designer. And and I'm sure you are no different. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you've done your freelance work, you've done AL stuff, but what makes the, like, obviously this is one of your favorite games, but mm-hmm. what makes this so special? Like, what is it so special about, about working there? And not just from your perspective, but just being in that environment. I think you've talked about it a little bit, but if you just elaborate a little there. Sure. So I th- the thing that makes it special for me and folks can write in, well, write in, what is it? 1972. Anyway, folks can, can go online and talk about this themselves, but it's the thing that makes working there so amazing is a, 
being a contributor to something like in the most broad sense, being a contributor to something that makes people happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like being able to invest work hours into, I'm going to help make something that is going to make, like give someone hours or months or a lifetime, however you view it of enjoyment and memories and bonding with family and friends. Like that might be a little Pollyanna, but <laughs> that's, that's how I look at it. Cause that's what, D&D has been for me and it's also kind of having that connection to like now like generations of really creative people who who made this amazing thing like to think about like oh man I get to go in every day and work with the continuation of what Gary Gygax Dave Arneson started that when I was a little kid and I first found the monster manuals like, this is amazing. Like, and <laughs> that, like to get to be a part, like to get to be, to work with the folks who do that, who then some other kid, cause I've seen it at the game stores around here. When a kid cracks open, you know, the monster manual for the first time, like some, you know, eight, nine year old kid, like, Oh my, Oh, look at this. That's so cool. Like, and you just see the fireworks go off in their head and their imagination kicks into overdrive. And then their parents are like, Oh my God. Because that's what mine did. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what makes it special, man. To feel like you're part of you're part of something much greater than yourself, in terms of the scope and impact that it has on people in a positive way. I think right, that's right. that's the most important thing. All right, and I, I think the most important question that people have wanted to ask and wanted to know about was, uh, what have you swept up everybody else's desk so far? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did steal something off Chris's desk. Actually, even funnier. So uh, last week, I came to my desk. There's this huge pile of like old copies of Dragon Magazine, and Dungeon Magazine, Ooh. and some older books, and uh, a box of like Nolzer's Marvelous Miniatures, and some other stuff. And it was all stacked on my desk. And I was like, "What? What's this? What is all this?" And uh, the other people are like, I don't know, you got a bunch of stuff on your desk. So I kind of rooted through it and found, I was like, oh, this, 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 set those things aside, went to another area, put those books down. I was like, oh, this is a place where I've seen books before. Somebody will probably come and get them. And then the next day, like, my, like it was stacked on top of my computer so I couldn't open it. And I was like, what? Right. I thought it was Dan. I was like, Dan, are you stacking old books on my desk? He's like, no. And come to find out that that's kind of like like with Mike and Jeremy and Chris, when there's stuff like that, that they're like, oh, well, you know, I I have to clear out my area because you accrue a bunch of stuff. You just give Mm -hmm. folks a crack at, hey, which of these books would you like? And that was Mike putting stuff on my desk going, hey, I just thought I'd give you, because you knew, I thought I'd give you like the first crack at these. I was like, oh, cool. I thought someone was playing a prank on me. So, (laughs) um, like, I can't do anything nice. So, uh, <laughs> then I discovered also fun for your listeners. I discovered that wizards has a thing called the, uh, the free table in the break room Ooh. where you can like, let's say there's food left over from like a little event, put your food out there mm-hmm. and people eat it. The first day I was there, I was like, look, old VHS tapes and six pairs of infant shoes. Like okay. the most random assortments of things in the world. Like <laughs> there's the typical, like, Oh, a stack. Oh, magic cards. Like, do you need mm-hmm. some land? Cool. Have some land. But then just like, Oh look, half of an iPad headphone set. Like just, just the most random things. Like <laughs> I was like, where did they come from? A. And then I come back and they're gone. Like, Who took that? Who was like, Oh, look, <laughs> look an old vhs of cool runnings i'm gonna make sure that i find a place in my heart for that like i don't know man so it's fun oh that's awesome that's awesome so i mean bill now that you're at wizards and you you still have your position at adventures league so how do those two interact it's a lot of work <laughs> because <laughs> it's i'll be the first to admit if you got folks with listeners like you know i sent that guy an email and it took him forever to get back to me yes it did uh and i apologize for that and uh in in the process of really trying to improve that but what we're going to do i'm actually going to over the next month or two uh, i'm going to transition over to working with al from 
the wizard side and we're going to look at like the the organization of the team and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. either shuffling folks or maybe uh going out and, and and looking out for another admin so we're gonna do that because in the in the long run it's not sustainable it'd just be too much so is 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 that us hearing listeners hearing that you'll be moving on to the like the, the wizard side so the organized play side and then someone is going to be taking your position there is every uh likelihood th- that will happen although i can neither confirm nor deny the statement which you have just uttered um because chris Lindsay would punch me in the neck uh <laughs> so i don't want to close enough to do it now <laughs> exactly and i don't want to preempt anything that uh, no, no. uh any any plans that he's gonna set in motion but uh, there is a possibility that uh, the admin one of the admin positions is going to come open and we'll have to fill it yeah, sounds good sounds good so listeners you did not hear that here first nope. because and I i'll deny it even that. if even if someone plays this podcast <laughs> to me like bill you said that, that is not me uh wayne not, no. wayne found a, a cunning uh sound alike and uh it's not me so. Yeah, I just put a bunch of audio things together. This is not actually an interview with Bill. It's just nope. me taking his words and 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 just uh, putting a bunch of random words together. It is all Absolutely. editing <laughs> and smoke, mirrors, simple tricks of nonsense. Good job, Wayne. All right, excellent. So the final thing we're going to talk about today, one of my personal favorites, obviously, and one of Bill's favorites, we're going to talk about Eberron. So yeah. Bill, as working for Wizards of the Coast, uh-huh. as an admin, as having an NDA, when did you find out? Oh, when did I find out? Um, and and how high did you jump up and down after you found out? That's, I jumped fairly high. I could not give you an exact date. It's been a while when I found out what like how it was all going to be rolled out, mm-hmm. and I was extremely excited because I do enjoy Eberron. And when the opportunity came along with James Intercasso, also an amazing human being, uh, James Intercasso was like, "Hey, as a guild adept, he was like, let's." We're gonna do it. Uh, let's do some adventures for the new Wayfinder's Guide. I actually wrote one of those adventures. Uh, it's the second one. Uh, it's called a uh, Boromar Ball, which I'm I'm pretty proud of. I think it's uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was just entirely too jazzed to write an adventure for Eberron set in Sharn. I, I really like what Keith and Rudy have done by kind of focusing the uh, game world down and I am not uh, at liberty to disclose future plans for Eberron, but suffice to say I am, uh, I would love to see a, just a full campaign treatment for Eberron mm-hmm. in the future, just because I think it uh, as a setting, I think it deserves it. So, but I am right now super happy that just wayfinders guide is out there. And <laughs> uh, I've, I, I, that is also great. It's a, it's a great book actually so yeah i mean those who listen to me on another podcast on manifest zone we got an, a chance uh, back in april keith basically messaged us said hey would you guys like an nda so we could talk about something <laughs> sure <laughs> uh, we were all like sure i was like i have one tell me what's going on and uh, i guess we, we got to consult on a lot of things and uh it's fun to kind of I, I'm the more mechanical guy, so I'm more the 5e guy. So we got to consult on some of the stuff. Christian got to put some really cool input in, which I know he's fighting fighting some other people in the Eberron community about. But like the first thing, like literally the first thing I thought about after after over the excitement, I was like, yes, Bill did it. <laughs> he managed to get <laughs> I, managed I did, to That is to, super to, sweet, to but I was uh, like, other than being like a cheerleader, like anytime I would hear anything about Eberron going like, oh yeah, dude, you should totally pursue that. Like that's the direction you should go in. Like other than trying to add my voice to the chorus, yeah, it was already in the process when I found out about it. So I can take absolutely no credit (laughs) other than just being like, yay, like just being happy about it and, you know, being a booster. But actually when, when we found out, when everybody else found out about the AL campaign, you know. Because the first thing we got was we got the names, mm-hmm. not the names. We got the titles of everything, and then we're just like, "Wait, who's writing these?" And we went back, and then we got the the AL thing. And we're just like, "Oh, okay." And I'm like, "Okay," because the I I've, I found that the Eberron community is not really connected with the AL community because 
That's you know, yeah. Yeah. There's there's only a few people that cross over. So when I'm I was looking through it, I'm like, okay, you guys need to buy this one, which is by Bill, and you need to buy this one by Robert, because I know those two people know they're Eberron. Like there, there's no question <laughs> there that they know they're Eberron. It's not that the, that anybody else is a bad writer. Please, please understand I'm not I'm not downing anybody, but I'm like, I know these people are going to do Eberron justice. This is you know, that's that's what I I, I knew for sure, right? So I was just like I was like, man, I cannot, I cannot think about how excited Bill is going to be when he, he know. I'm like, man, he probably knew before anybody else did. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, it's. I will also say to add to your list of uh, of because uh, I mean, I every I know everybody who uh, who contributed to those, and they mm-hmm. are all great writers. But also Travis uh, Woodall. Oh, yeah. He he is. I think his is the ninth adventure, and uh, we chat on Discord pretty frequently. And so we've been we've been mm-hmm. talking about the adventure that he's writing, and uh, it sounds like it is going to be an absolute blast. Plus, I know mm-hmm. Travis's sense of humor and kind of <laughs> what he likes to go for uh, in adventures, yeah. and I think like I'm I'm looking forward to playing it. So I would encourage folks if you're if you're into Eberron, give it a shot. So. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, I know that um, I've run the first one, Greg's uh, mod twice now. There's not a lot of people seem to be running it online, so I've been I've been trying to do that, trying to bring the the AL community that doesn't really know Ebron and the Ebron people who don't really know AL. I'm kind of throwing them together in the mix and be like, I'm yep. going to run these guys, and then uh, yours is coming up. So I've run I've run that twice. I'll be probably running yours twice, just try to get a couple more people running and playing them. So I'm really Excellent. looking forward, and they're really really looking forward to it. And as soon as yours came out, I was like, okay. Guys, go buy Bill's mod. Um, <laughs> no, I, I really did. Like, I, as much as as much as I like Bill, it was just like I know this is going to be a good treatment, and I, I actually purchased it. I was running through it, and I'm like, oh, it's a heist. Oh, <laughs> this is and and the map. The maps are by Dyson Logos, um, mm-hmm. and the first thing that someone noticed, I think online, was that they're like, oh, he used the washrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, well, they're there. They should be used. I mean, they're written in. <laughs> it's uh, uh it's so one of the things actually with that adventure was uh, I don't uh, for your listeners out there who haven't had a chance to do it, there's uh more and more conventions uh running it because it is a convention event, but the mm-hmm. 2018 D&D Open Gangs of Waterdeep yep. written by uh Will Doyle and mm-hmm. uh god, who else wrote that? Um I have, I have the mod somewhere. I'm yeah, supposed to, I, I'm supposed to I do to too, but I am not. My computer's been so weird through this process. I'm not touching anything because I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> but uh, it will and company wrote that adventure. It is just such a good, such a fun adventure, and it is also mm-hmm. a caper. So what I had yeah. to do when I was writing Boromar Ball because I didn't uh, the it was a concept that I was uh, given that I got to flesh out, mm-hmm. uh, and it was always going to be uh, like a heist. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of thing and I was like man how can I do this make it fun and not bite gangs of Waterdeep because right. I don't want people who've played that to be like oh well Bill's lazy ass just went and stole the stuff out of <laughs> gangs of Waterdeep because there's a bunch of stuff that I really liked about it I was like oh yeah, this mechanic yeah. is great and all oh, this is cool so I tried to lift kind of uh, concepts mm-hmm. but not like whole cloth ideas out of there so it's still mm-hmm. me and fun but I, I I really liked what they did, so I wanted to use some yeah. of it. Uh, yeah, so there we go. No, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm expecting to see more stuff from you. We're gonna get a chance to see your name in, in more products. Obviously, you you do have your name in a in a couple different ones. I know that you you probably did. Um, actually, are you allowed to talk about Dungeon of the Mad Mage? Mm. That there is an adventure called Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which releases in November. I am uh, I am definitely allowed to say that, and that I am ex- exceptionally excited for that to come out. Can you I, say which level you designed? I I actually did two of them. Okay, man, I don't want to say before it comes out. All right, let's. You know, you're so, going to have to do that for a later podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do it for. We'll, 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 we're going to talk. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to have Bill on the show again. I, I, I absolutely love talking with him. Like, um, so that people don't did not know. Like, Bill and I talked for almost an hour after the mics turned off last time. So we're going to try not to do that. But because um, I know have it's Bill late for you right now. 
it's getting to it's getting too late. Yes, but yeah, we we had a we had a really awesome conversation. I was like, oh, I gotta have Bill on again, especially <laughs> to talk about, about especially to talk about risk, especially to talk about about Eberron. And it just happened that you started working at the Wizard of the Coast, and was like, yeah, I mean, it seems like a kind of interesting event. We should probably talk a little bit about it. I mean, yeah. you know, the guy's working for some company, some some wizard on the coast. Yeah, it's, it's, uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, from expecting to see more of your your handiwork your your fingerprints on on more stuff if you can bill please please i know there's a, like a billion of us if you can put our playtesters names back in the books please it'd be nice <laughs> there is actually a whole there is a whole thing about that so <laughs> such a long story i can make absolutely no promises on anything one way or the <laughs> other but i appreciate you asking no worries. It's it was uh listeners of the show know that I am a play tester and and uh, I think Dragon Heist is the first time that I didn't get my name in the book. It just says thank you, play tester. So I was like, Oh, where's my name? Bill, is there anything else you wanna bring up? Anything uh before kind of sign off and break this through a close? Well, I would like to say that the product lineup for, for twenty nineteen, the adventure lineup for twenty nineteen because there will be more than just, you know, adventures. Like there's, uh, mm-hmm. we had like with um, Tome of Annihilation, there was the, you know, the dice set, stuff like that. I don't know if you or your listeners are aware, but there's two books that just came out. The ABCs and 123s, the ABCs of mm-hmm. D&D and the 123s of D&D. They're both uh, children's books that are distributed. Yes, uh, they're being yeah. distributed through like Penguin uh, Random House. We have an art book that just came out. It's like a, a coloring book that came out last month. All kinds of fun stuff. But for next year, for books, there's I, – I, and I'm not you know, at liberty to talk about it. But there's a book coming out next year that is like – it hit a sweet spot for me in terms of kind of tone and theme and the like just the mm-hmm. whole – the plot of the whole thing. And uh, also, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with a gentleman named uh, Richard Witters. He's the, uh, mm-hmm. he's kind of the senior concept artist uh, on the team. So senior art guy. can't remember all the titles exactly, but he is, <laughs> he, he drew all of the, the demon Lords that are in uh, yeah. out of the oh, abyss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a phenomenal artist and the concept work that he's done for this story is just, amazing like it's uh, as soon as i am at liberty to talk about it i would i would love to do so because i it's it's gonna be so good so anyway absolutely yeah so we're gonna end it here because otherwise bill and i could be talking and it's gonna be end up it's gonna end up being tomorrow mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> especially for you you first yeah. yeah yeah but look for bill to be on the show again Absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk more, especially when we get that hardcover Eberron book. You know, mm-hmm, that's the next mm-hmm. thing you need to start barking Mike about. Mm-hmm. Definitely that. And, um, you know, definitely for the fun stuff at, at Wizards. Like, let us know on the, the dirt about what's what's going on in there. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Bill, thank you so much for being on the show. It, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on every single time. I, I is my pleasure to be here. I, uh, I I really appreciate the invite, and it is always great talking with you. All right. So everybody in Listen to Land out there, have a great day, and uh, we'll hear from you soon. Bye now. Bye.